Well, we welcome our listeners again to Worldview Matters. And Bob, thank you for joining me again. Always great to be with you. We had a a spirited discussion last time about um, uh, how why Christians act like jerks and some of the things that the jerky things that Christians do. And it was a robust discussion. We wanted to continue this. Matter of fact, this is the third time we've we've talked about this. Third show we've talked about this on, but it's very meaningful. Uh, to Christians uh, because of our responsibilities in the world. Well, I couldn't agree more, Ross. And, you know, we've uh, I've been hitting blogs on the Internet, and this subject just seems to be a hot topic for a lot of folks. I think uh, I think even among Christians, we we're realizing that our lifestyle doesn't always match up with our worldview. Well, I think that's. That's true. I mean, you look at your own life and you, my life, I say, but each of us look about it, our own life and, and, and say there, there are a lot of times when we just don't act like, like Christians. I'll give you a good example in my own. I'll go through a, a line at a fast food place and the service will not be quite as quick or the person will be surly. And I may grumble a little bit either to them or to myself. And my wife will, it, remind me of the fact that you don't exactly know what was in this person's life over the last few days, and you don't know where they stand, and recognize that you're a Bible that someone's looking at. What if we see them in church next Sunday morning, and they look and say, hey, wait a minute, you're the same person who fill in the blank. And you swallow hard and feel sheepish, feel like you're about two inches tall, and you realize that what they've said is exactly right. And I think all of us probably could say that we have lived in that situation in times past and maybe even yesterday. And you know, Ross, the, the takeaway from this, and we, we're going to talk more about takeaways either in this show or the next one, but, you know, the Scripture says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We shouldn't feel condemned when we fail to live up to Christ likeness, but we should take responsibility for it. And that includes repentance. I think many evangelical Christians think that repentance is a one-time act. And that's really not a biblical perspective. Repentance is an ongoing process. We need to be repenting every day. And I think many times we think, you know, because I accepted Christ when I was seven years old in Sunday school, I don't have a responsibility to continue to press on to know the Lord and act like Him in everything that we do. You know, we were talking about these, uh, there's a blog post that I've been referring to by by Tony Morgan, uh, and who is a believer, by the way. Tony lists 10 reasons I don't like most Christians, and we've been talking about those, and there have been responses to his blog, and there's already eight or 10 others that people have added to his 10. So I'm up to about 20. And those, that's just about Tony. I could probably add another 50 about me or you, buddy. <laughs> you t- Wait a minute. You, you're on my case today? As, <laughs> as well you should be? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. You talk about, about Christians in restaurants. One of the responses to Tony's blog uh, is another something else I can't stand about Christians. And that is, we're lousy tippers. Uh, Christians often come into restaurants, uh, share the gospel, leave a tract, and then leave a 2% tip. And they wonder why waitresses and waiters really hate to see them come in. 
No doubt about it. And now, and especially if you go the extra way, extra effort, and maybe say something about where do you go to church or this, that, or the other, all of a sudden they're going to tie that small tip back to the fact that you claim to be a believer. And as I've talked to, to wait staff over the years, they will tell you that there are two groups that are very low tippers. One would be young people. And the second would be Christians. And so they hate to see the 1230 crowd on Sunday come because they know that they either they're going to get a Bible tract or some salvation tract instead of whatever the percentage is that you feel appropriate. And as I've gotten older, I sort of feel like that it is either 0% or 20%. That's another another story to get into, but if it's well, I don't want to talk about that. Basically, I give 20%, 99% of the time. But there are situations where I would give less. However, if we do profess faith, we ought to be very, very careful how we conduct everything else that we do in that restaurant. And not just if not just if we mention our faith, but across the board, uh, we should do that because, again, we are a Bible. We don't know when it's going to be opened. We don't know in what context they're going to see us again. And it's the right thing for us to do as believers. That's the bottom line. Ouch, Ross. These things really hurt, don't they? But we've got to be honest. We've got to to take responsibility. Obviously, you know, one of my one of my least favorite bumper stickers, and you know, we all have have seen them as we drive around, is. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Mm. I, I know I know what that's trying to convey, but I've got to be honest, many times that just looks like an excuse for being jerks in my mind. And I think most of the people in the world read it that way as well. So here we are, buddy. I mean, we're talking about worldview. And question number eight in our eight questions that define a worldview is what core commitments should this worldview actually uh, bring forth in people's lifestyle? This is, as you say, where the rubber meets the road. And Christians should act like Christ. But most cases, in a predominance of cases, Ross, Christians aren't acting like Christ in our culture. And so is it any wonder that unbelievers in our culture are turned off by the message of the gospel because Christians who supportedly purportedly believe it aren't acting as if they believe it. Wow. That's, that is, that's true. Um, I know we're going to get to later on and probably in the next show, some resources, some things we can do to change this, but what would you do to change this particular uh, act in our own life? What can we hang as a, chain around our neck that reminds us, okay, here's, here's the way you don't let this happen in your life. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we talked last show about, about the commandments of Jesus. Uh, you know, the, the Christian life is really keeping the commandments, not the Old Testament commandments, but the primary commandments. Jesus summed it up in two commandments. Basically, he said, if you really want to know what the law of God is, what the rule of God is here on this earth. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, of course, that's spelled out in just hundreds and hundreds of verses throughout Scripture. 
but that's the way we're supposed to live. And But the book of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the book that contains the sermon, talks about that as being a transformation that starts on the inside and works its way out. It's not rule keeping. It's a change of heart. So I think the the big answer for, you know, why do Christians act like jerks? The big answer for that is Christians need to grow up. They need to they need to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, and that starts on the inside and works its way out. That's why the Beatitudes begin with blessed are the poor in spirit. That's just another way of talking about humility. Surely Matthew didn't know about my neighborhood when he wrote that. I, I can't believe he knew that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did uh, he know that your guy lives three doors from me? Do you think he has any idea who that guy was going to be? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, I wonder how many people who, upon listening to what we've just said in the last two or three minutes, have thought about their own neighborhood or their own church or their own school group that they're in and say, wow, you mean that includes that person? I know I did. I'm, I'm sitting here talking with you about this. And the first thing I did was say, let me list in my mind some people that uh, I don't think that fits with. Well, and I, I think it gets back to your comment about the restaurant and the wait staff. I mean, they're our neighbors. They're the people that we come in contact with on an everyday basis. Certainly that doesn't exclude our own family members. And yet the uh-huh. statistics about Christian families, the divorce rate, the uh, incidence of, you know, uh, pornography and immorality, how children behave. All of those things are almost identical to the world that we are trying to preach to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's this thing, hypocrite, you know, clean the inside of the cup, uh, not just the outside. I mean, these are the words of Jesus, not just the words of of theologians, but of the capital T theologian. He's telling us, Christians, work on your heart first. Work from a position of humility. Work from a position of mourning your own sin. Work from a position of being meek, not trying to control things, but instead being willing to trust God to be the one who controls the circumstances of your life. Just on and on, Ross, we see these character qualities, not just the actions are an extension of character. And you and I both know that. We were raised that way to know that character starts in your heart and it works itself out into your life choices. So true. And uh, I think that we've both hit on something. I know that this applies to my life. You know it applies to your life. We, You and I know each other probably about as well as anybody who's not married to anybody to the other as well as anybody. And we both know the weaknesses of each other. And this is real. My guess is that there's no one out there within hearing distance of what we're talking about that says this doesn't apply to me because I know that it applies to to everyone. If there's, if there is such a thing as sin in anybody's life, it has to do with these relationships because uh, that's where we live out or don't live out our faith on a daily basis. And the scripture's really clear that, you know, it's in the context of our relationships that our faith is lived out. 
And we're going to be judged by that. We're going to be held accountable for that. You know, as I look back over this list here by Tony Morgan that we've been referring to, you know, here are some other ones that he mentions. Christians seem to worship their theology more than Jesus. Jesus had some things to say about that to the Pharisees. He said, you search the scripture thinking that in the scripture you have life, but the scriptures testify about me, and yet you hate me. Well, he could say that to most evangelical Christians in our culture today, couldn't he, Ross? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Another one is Christians don't like it when other people or ministries experience success. Whoa, I'm in the ministry. That happens all the time here. We... You know, we when the church down the road has a split, you know, everybody in the other churches publicly are going, oh, that's a shame. But inwardly, they're thinking, wow, that means some of those people will start coming to my church. My offerings are going to be bigger. Or maybe it maybe it means that they will say, well, I'm not so bad because we would rather compare ourselves with someone else because we can always find someone who is not quite as up to speed as we are. And therefore, we look better compared to them than we do compared to the plumb bob, which well, is. Like, yeah. Didn't Jesus have something to say about that, too? Absolutely. Uh, here's Absolutely. another one. They use, they use prayer. Christians use prayer as an excuse for inaction. Whoa. And you and I discussed that briefly, and I, I think that is ex- very, very real. I know when I hear someone tell me, I'm going to pray about that for you, that is a Christian platitude, which I believe that in reality— Less than 10% of the people that tell you that actually do it. Now, I know you, and I know when you say it, you do it. And what I, years ago, as a matter of fact, you prompted me this way because unknowingly you prompted me this way. So when I tell someone that I'm going to pray for them, I pray for them immediately. I'm talking about that very moment. I will lift a quick prayer up to the Lord for them. And then I will say many times, as God brings you to mind, I will pray. Now, that may be a cop-out, but what I don't want to do is to let my own aged mind uh, not allow me to do what I promised to do, because I believe that's a very, very important commitment to make, which is one of uh, prayer. And so I I think that in the Christian vernacular, it's become, uh, come see us. You know, in the South, we say, hey, y'all come see us. Mm -hmm. Many times we don't mean that. Right. Uh, so So now... Christians pick that up and say, hey, I'll pray for you about that, when they don't actually mean that. And so it's a cop-out, but it's also a lie in many cases. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, let's be honest here. I mean, all of us drop the ball. All of Sure, us. absolutely. All of us make mistakes. All of us are inconsistent. I think that what Tony's getting at here uh, is more what James was warning about when he when he said, don't say to someone who needs food and clothing, be warmed and be filled. Right. What he said was, give them some money. Help yeah. them out. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Do the action that needs to be done to make that happen. Well, and you talk about part not, of Christ. I'm sorry. I walked all over you there, Mr. Bob. <laughs> Go ahead and finish your well, point. Well, I mean, it, that that is the point, Ross, is that we often don't do the very things that we say we're going to be praying for someone about. And, you know, you and I have said before that, you know, God helps those who helps himself. It's not a biblical scripture. It was quoted by poor Richard, poor Richard's almanac and, and by Ben Franklin. But there is a biblical principle that says 
Yeah, trust God, but also be faithful to be obedient. Do your part. Live in the tension of being faithful, active, obedient to what God's called us to do, even while we're trusting him to do the things that only he can do. It's hard to live in that tension. Well, it is, and it it seems like everywhere we turn, we see the tension of life. We see the tension of uh, of being a believer. Now, the point I was about to make, which is parallel to what you're talking about, we have the same tension every time we pass someone sitting on the side of a street with a cup. Every time we see, um, we stop at an intersection getting off of a interstate and someone is coming down the line with that bucket, whether it be the you, know, you name the you name the organization that you see in your neighborhood coming down the line. I sort of say, is this my responsibility to do this? Should I do it? Should I do it with everyone? And I know many listeners out there, just like I and you, get calls, I would say, at least every week, if not every day, from organizations looking for money. And so where do you say I can't do everything. Uh, this is not what God's calling me to do. And most all of them are good. Uh, I know that sometimes you will give money to things that aren't good, to people who are, to a beggar who's going to go get some liquor. So where is our responsibility here? That's the tension that we live in every day from that standpoint. So life, Christian's life is a matter of tension back and forth. It is. Of- and, and, and the clear thing seems to be, you know, and you're exactly right. All of us uh, have been scammed. All of us have given money to unworthy causes. All of us have, you know, been uh, given money to organizations that don't exercise good stewardship, where 97 percent of the of the gift goes to fundraising and not to the actual cause that they're that they're promoting. But it, it seems like that that th- this the action step here is assuming that we know that someone has a legitimate need. Often we still turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to that. And Christians got to say, Ross, we're often guilty of that. Sure. And, 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 and the, the bottom line is let's let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let's be consistent with what we say we believe. And you know what? I just think we keep saying this to each other and, I just think we can't say it enough. Let's be honest about our inconsistencies and ask God to help us, make us more mature, make us more faithful, and stop pointing fingers at unbelievers when we do some of the very same things, sometimes worse. You know, there's a, there's a passage that Jesus said about the Pharisees, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the things we're talking about, Ross— were true of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. But one of the things he said about them that's always stung me personally, he said, you guys travel across land and sea to make a single convert, and then you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Wow. Whoa, that's, that's, that's not, you know, that's not Bill Moeller saying that. That's, uh, that's Jesus saying that. That's a, mm. that, you know, that, that's not a, a, a liberal talk show host. That's Christ saying of evangelicals, hey, be consistent 
from the heart, from the inside out. And boy, this is a, this is humbling, isn't it, Ross? Well, it is. And, uh, you know, what you just said there, I mean, there are a lot of ways you can go, a lot of uh, tentacles to that particular point. I'm not sure I fully understand the point that they're making. Uh, tell me what you would think they're saying. Well, I, I don't think he's saying don't do evangelism. I right. think he's saying make sure that the message you're preaching, you're living. And that's that's what you're not talking that's, about. Yeah, that's an that is an absolute. Uh, that's an easy message to really hone in on and saying that that is that is actually true. Don't talk about something and say something else. Make sure that uh, we're consistent on both sides. I guess I took that a little bit <clears throat> in terms of uh, the Islamic culture. I know we're seeing growing signs of what I believe we have felt, and that is that the Islamic culture, the belief of the Islamic worldview is one that is against Christians, number one, and even against Christians to the point of harm, number two. So where and how do you deal with that particular issue in your own mind? This is probably a discussion for another point in time and another issue, but at where, at what point do you say, I'm basically afraid to even engage them in conversation because of their view of me and my worldview. But we do know that Islamic people come to know the Lord every day. Uh, I'll have to admit that I'm probably not one that is aggressively pursuing interaction with that group of people. You know, I was talking to a missionary the other day who works uh, out of Lebanon, and they come in contact with with Muslims constantly. They're part of the target group that they work with. And this particular person said this about, about the Muslims in that culture. He said they are quick to listen and engage in conversations with Christians about their faith. They don't always agree about every point, but they're quick to engage in conversations. And the ones that will be thoughtful and uh, will come back and talk to you a second and third and fourth and fifth time are the ones that respect the Christian's lifestyles in that culture. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. When Christians are able to show respect to some of the Muslim customs, for example, not these aren't these aren't uh, hills to die on. It's not something that uh, it's the idea of, of not, example, not eating pork in their presence. You know, do, do, do Christians think uh, it's is it is it uh, biblically okay to eat to eat pork? Absolutely, uh, but Muslims don't believe that. And so, one of the things that Christians can do, and they've learned to do this, is to not eat pork in front of Muslims as an honor to them. Uh, they're not. You're not saying I respect everything and agree with everything about your culture, but I'm giving you enough honor to know that you're a human being. And I'm going to defer to you about a matter that's not of vital importance so that we can talk about matters that are of vital importance. But many times Christians don't take the time or have the inclination to even want to be able to do that. You know, it's it's interesting. I sort of laugh because when they were trying to build that Muslim temple uh, across from the site of the World Trade Center, 
uh, there was a group of people that said, yeah, absolutely, let them build it. And then we're going to get the property on either side. And on one side, we're going to put a strip joint. And on the other side, we're going to put a barbecue place that sells that sells liquor. So uh, I guess what you're telling me is that wouldn't be a great idea if <laughs> we wanted to witness to them. Couldn't well, couldn't help it, but I had to lay that out. <laughs> well, and, and that, that is that is that is uh, that's humorous, and and we all we all laugh because it ju- it shows the inconsistency of our lives. But in reality, Ross, those are those are uh, those are important concepts. I mean, let's be honest. I, when 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 people respect me for my opinion, if we disagree about things, I'm a whole lot more amenable to listening to their opinion if they show me respect. And if they don't show me respect, if they don't defer to me, at least in just as a fellow human being on the planet, it makes me not want to listen to them as much. So you think about that. Surely that would be true of people who don't follow Christ. In fact, that's exactly what Scripture says. Well, when I'm talking to people about anything and I sense that they show respect for my opinion or my uh, my position, it makes me want to listen more to their position. And I think that's also true going the other way. When I take the time to listen to someone, even if I disagree, maybe categorically disagree with them, I know that they, but I show them respect. I know that they're a lot more open to listen to my perspective if perspective than if I didn't show them respect. I just think that's the way God wired us, Ross. You know, I had a experience, couple of experiences this past week exactly like that. One was among some fellow believers on a board of trustees that I'm on, and we were discussing a point of doctrinal difference. And what I noticed was that on both sides, we were pretty heated about our own particular position of this particular doctrine, and we were fighting this um, this desire to raise our voice and to be um, to push forward with our own viewpoint, but then we were throttling it back, and I knew that I was having trouble, and I knew that they were having trouble, but we maintained you know some level of decorum. Now, my question would be. What if this had been a discussion with somebody outside? Would we have done that? Now, I had come to my door the other mornings. This was Saturday morning last week, two young ladies, and I could tell, you know, they had a Bible in their hand, and so I knew that they were from some faith, and I was uh, anxious to see what they were. It turns out they were Jehovah's Witnesses. So you have two kind of ways to go there. Number one, the chances of you converting them to your way of thinking is probably very low because most of those people are pretty well indoctrinated, well um, schooled, educated in their belief system. But that's not what Scripture tells us. It says we are to be ready, willing, and able to share the hope that's within our hearts. So, I spent about 30 minutes talking with him, and we had a very spirited exchange of ideas about various things. So at the end, I I felt really good because this one young lady said, I really appreciate the fact that you've been willing to listen to me. said, most of the people who are Christians that I talk with as I go out on Saturday mornings and do this, 
are not very kind to me. And I said, I'm sorry that that's the case. And I appreciate you telling me that because I know many times I'm not either. But I am pleased to have been able to uh, have a good discussion. If for no other reason, Christians ought to look at that as a way to sharpen your own apologetic, my own apologetic. And it may point up things that I need to know about other so that I can be better able to deal with the difference in my view of their view. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Ross. And I don't always do that, but I know that that's a biblical principle. The book of James says that we should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. But many times we're just the opposite. We're quick to speak, quick to anger, and slow to listen. Boy, that's true of me and my relationship with my wife and all my friends. Right. So we're supposed to we're supposed to be that way, especially with outsiders. You know, Ross, you mentioned Robbie Zachar, Zacharias earlier, who's a, a good friend of both of ours. We have a great deal of respect for Robbie as a as a Christian apologist. And you know, that that passage in Peter that we often so quote about apologetics, it says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's within you. And often we stop there because that word make a defense is the word apologia. But the next the next verse says, but do so with gentleness and reverence. And many times we don't do that. It's not just what we say. It's how we say it that really breaks open the animosity and, uh, and opens people's hearts to what Christ wants to say to them. And Wow. Many times believers are often guilty, not just of knowing some things, but projecting almost as if they know everything. And we and we don't. We don't know everything. Wow. That's probably a great place to start by saying we don't know everything and don't try to project that we do. One of the things we could leave our listeners with. Sometimes it's a lot better to ask questions. You can say more in a well-phrased question back to them than you can by making an assertion. And we do that, and if we do it correctly, we eliminate or at least minimize the possibility of getting into some verbal alteration or altercation with them. So that's uh, we, maybe we can talk about that more in terms of how we share our faith down the road. But I think the old clock on the wall has run out on us, so to speak, and uh, look forward to next time. Let me just share with our listeners that there are a number of other shows on Big Brains Media. You can go to bigbrainsmedia.com and that site, you get our show, every one of our shows. You can get shows of other of our fellow sister programs. We have Just Talking It Up, where uh, Crash and Janet are, and they just have finished their 100th show. Uh, obviously, Weather Brains, which was the anchor show. This is uh, James Spann's own show about weather. He calls it For All the Weather Geeks, and he is the prima weather geek, but just a incredibly wonderful man. The best I can say about James Spann is... He is the real deal. Then we have uh, Bama Talk and Auburn Unleashed and Undone Redone and Eavesdrop. There are just some great shows. I think you would find something in the genre or the ilk that you would enjoy. We thank J.P. Spann and James Spann 
and all the people at um, Big Brains Media, Mark Phillips, who used to be active in the singing group hotel back years ago. Great guy. And we just thank all of these people for the opportunity to come to our listeners. And thank you again, Bob. I look forward to being with you again next week, my friend. It's always great to be with you, Ross, because worldview really does matter. Absolutely. Amen. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.